0: Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening in to us. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show, I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in Rockhampton and today I have Linda Vella with me. Linda is the Director for Early Childhood Education and Care. Welcome to the show Linda, it's great to have you with me. Thanks Trudy, I'm really looking forward to talking with you this afternoon. If you are listening in and thinking the sound is a little bit different, it's because Linda and I are recording over Skype and this is the first time we've recorded the podcast in this format. So, Linda, in our usual way, I'd love to hear your one word barometer and our conversation starter for this episode, Linda, is what was your most vivid memory in life before starting school?
1: Mm. so, well, Trudy, my one-word barometer for this afternoon is um, great. I feel really great this afternoon and excited, so that's more than one word. And my most vivid memory um, before going to school was living in very far north Queensland, um, swimming in the river behind where our home where we lived, um, near the sugar mills, and building many cubbies with my brothers and neighbourhood kids. Um, it was a fantastic childhood growing up there.
0: Oh, that sounds just wonderful. What a great way to spend your childhood. And my one word, Linda, um, I think I would have to say I'm feeling a little bit more energized now that I'm starting this conversation with you. And... um, My most vivid memory from my childhood before starting school, I'm actually going to go back to my kindergarten years and I had two years at kindergarten because it was before preschools were uh, introduced across Queensland and I went to the kindergarten in Mandubra which of course is in central Queensland and there used to be a lovely big old tree that was just the trunk and two branches that laid across down the side of the building and they had a lovely old tractor steering wheel on that big Mm -hmm. old tree and us little kindy kids would often um, sit on there and pretend we were driving any assortment of vehicles so some days it might have been a truck other days it was a bus or a train and of course there was the old uh, train right there in the park next to the kindy it's not there anymore it's been moved down closer to the river but um, some vivid memories in that playground of the Mm. the kindergarten in Mandubra down near the pool there Mm. and Linda that's a lead in um, because today we're actually talking about uh, the A part in our ACE in central Queensland and the A is a great start for all children and what I really wanted to dig in with you this afternoon is around the strategies and the programs and initiatives that um, we have available to us for our uh, young children in the early years.
1: Mm. So uh, Linda what can you tell us about this and the work in CQ? So there's lots of great things happening within Central Queensland Region, truly, and across the state around strategies, programs and initiatives in the early years. So I'm going to start with the Connect for Children. Um, This is a very new um, initiative within the the state and within Central Queensland Region. And it was really one that's um, come to fruition with the AEDC data, or the Australian Early Years Development Census, So, the data um, we looked at has been, or has been, collected since 2009, and I just wanted to remind everyone that 2021, next year, will be our fifth data collection. So, the ADC data is a population measure, so it's a fantastic data set to really look at what's going really well in that zero to five space for our children and their families, And where are some of those vulnerabilities that we really do need to come together to work on and to strengthen and really create opportunities and the best opportunities for our children to engage in early years and quality early year spaces? So in Central Queensland Region, we've got 26.1% of children vulnerable in one or more of the five domains of the AEDC. So that's... a compared to the state, which was 25.9%. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's not quite a big percentage, but when you look at numbers of children, that's quite a big number. So we've come together as a group of early years directors and with our regional directors as well, to think about, we need to reduce that vulnerability. And one of the things that we want to be looking at is reducing that vulnerability, 22%, by 20. 24. So, we've got two data collections to do that, and that's quite a significant number of children. So, the way that we're looking at that is with a strategy called Connect for Children. So, within Central Queensland Region, we've identified 10 communities that have got high vulnerability, and we're bringing together not only schools, but also early childhood services, community organisations, government organisations and non-government organisations to come together, look at the AEDC data, but also other data to tell us what's the story happening here and what can we do, what's our call to action that we need to do within that community. So really what we're doing is coming together come to think about a birth five plan for particular communities. Because as you know, if we can get it right in those early years, we can get it right for lots of our children as they transition through to school, to high school, and then on to employment. So James Heckman is one economist that Really talks about, and it's one of the texts I'll um, put in with this podcast, Trudy, about let the children play. And he talks about if we get it right, the dollar value in the earliest, the dollar value really is um, outstanding for the economy. Um, So it is worthwhile investing and supporting our children, supporting our young families within those community spaces. So exciting really imperative that we um, engage all our schools again in that AEDC data collection, and really think about how we're we, um, answering those 40 questions within the AEDC data collection next year. So you'll see lots of information come out about that as we progress through this year and into next year, Because that'll be about May 2021. That'll start happening again. So that's one of our initiatives. So. Um, The next one that we really are talking about too, and in this space, is our transition space. This is something that the early years have been really focused on for quite some time, that transition from a kindergarten into prep, but also now we've expanded that from home, playgroup, kindy, prep. And as you know, some of our children may not attend kindergarten because it's not compulsory. So what does transitions look like for our schools when children arrive at the school gate on day one? Um, It's everyone's business, our transition space. And it's more than orientation for school, it's more than our three visits at the end of the year, but transition really keeps going until everyone feels like they belong in their new context. So it is about our children and our families, And all of our children, our children with diverse learning needs. um, And it's really important that we're all coming together to think about that. And transitions aren't only about transitioning into prep, but we've also got to think about transitioning between year levels. And also, now what we're thinking about and thinking about in a broader context with state schooling is transitioning from year six to seven, high school, and beyond because they're all important transition junctures. And transitions can happen lots and lots of times for children and families. And it can really be a sign of um, a smooth transition, can really have a, a state of play with regards to how a child feels like they feel like they belong at school, um, their attendance and their engagement with the curriculum and the pedagogy, and their teachers and their peers. So one of the things with our, our early years team, and you, a lot of principals would have heard about this and a lot of staff, is our Statewide Decision-Making Tool. That's an incredible framework to really think about uh, reflecting on your program already, what needs to be strengthened, and what areas would you like to focus on. And don't forget also within our regional team, we've got three incredible transition officers Um, and in our early years team that can support our schools to strengthen that area, and that's Lyndell Sheehan in Mackay, Linda Arnell in Gladstone, and Janelle Walsh in Rockhampton. So really important that you talk with your ARDs and those transition team um, to think about what needs to happen next within your transition program. How do we strengthen it? And also, how do we make it a longer process, and thinking about, What happens within your school already that we can start to think, how can we use that as part of our transition program as well? And, Um, Lily, you were talking about the decision-making tool there, and Mm. we'll
0: pop a link to that in the show notes as well. I know that many of our principals uh, have used that tool, would be very familiar to it, but I'm sure there are other principals that probably haven't engaged with it, So, um, mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. fabulous regional people that you just talked about, I know, can support principals in terms of unpacking the tool and really digging into it because there's some great insights and learnings to have yeah. um, when you engage with that, that decision-making tool. Which probably that's brings right. us then to the topic and something that you are so passionate about and advocate for in every um, forum that you can, uh, and that's transition statements, Linda. So Absolutely. I'll and let you um, take, the, take the, t- the floor here and, and talk yep. to us about what we need to know around transition statements.
1: Thanks, Trudy. It absolutely is. And I'm really glad that you mentioned about the links to the decision making tool. There is an inquiry guide on the web and also the Cater to Hub, which I'll talk about too. Great tools to go to for um, reflection and use. And yes, transition statements are very dear to my heart. Um, They are written from an approved kindergarten um, and they are document that's incredibly valued, um, really gathering that data and that insight about that little child's development through the kindergarten year, and then used as they transition into prep. So one of the things with our transition statements is they are an insight into that child. So to help a school become ready for that child, it's a really important document to have a look at, but also talk with the kindergarten teacher about And the family, because they'll often add insight into that. The kindergarten trends or the transition statement um, is a reflective document from the Queensland Kindergarten Learning Guidelines, that, that prior to school curriculum. And as kindergartens fill that in or complete that transition statement, they will be talking with parents, getting their consent to pass that on, and then also giving consent the parent will give consent for the practice or the principal to come and talk to the kindergarten teacher about that child. And it's a really powerful way not only to build relationships with the kindergarten teacher, but most importantly, with the child and their family. So, as you know, the transition statement is written and com- or written throughout the year, completed in November of that, that kindergarten year, and will be passed on to the school this year, um, it's going to be passed on in a different fashion. On the QCAA portal, the transition statement will be uploaded into the portal and schools will be able to access it straight from there. Of course, with parents' um, permission with that document, too as well. So we'll be sending out lots of information about how that will happen, and our transition team will also be supporting schools to know how to access those transition statements. But I can't speak highly enough of them, how much they are really valued. But one of the things we're finding is that what makes an even more valuable document is to understand the Queensland Kindergarten Learning Guidelines, that that curriculum that the children are involved in that year before PrEP. And one of the things that we're looking at rolling out this year is a series of workshops, again, about really understanding that prior-to-school curriculum It's connection to the Australian Curriculum. So when you get those transition statements, it just makes sense. You can see the five learning and development areas and know exactly what the kindergarten teachers are referring to. So remember too, they're written not only for schools, but they're also written for parents. So the language is a little different to a school report card. And that's where the discussion and conversation needs to happen with the kindergarten teacher as well. So expect those around November, expect them in the portal, and expect our transition team to help schools know how to access them too as well. So if you've got any questions, please contact your ARD and also the transition team and myself as well. So lots of information will come out about our transition statements, Trudy, throughout the year yeah and Linda the transition statements are certainly a rich
0: and vital Mm -hmm. narrative about a little person's you know learning experiences um before they you know join us uh, in schools so absolutely many of our schools Linda have play groups I know many of the schools I work with have play groups in all their various formats so what does
1: Principals need to know about play groups. Well, interesting you say that, Trudy, because I think not last regional update. The, our regional update just prior to that one, I put in an article about play groups, and there's three different models of play groups. So I think when principals and schools are thinking about a play group, think about the reason why that you're wanting to implement a play group. Also think about Where are the playgroups already operating within your community? Because there could already be a really fantastic playgroup happening in the in the community that you just probably need to make contact with and um, find out about. So that's one of the things I really encourage our schools to to know about. There's been a little bit of a change with playgroups with um, Playgroup Queensland. That was is a lot of our schools are still registering with Playgroup Queensland. But the article I put into the regional update was just outlining to Principles about the three different models. There's model one. You can host a community-delivered playgroup at a school venue. So that's where you might have a community organisation that approaches you and says, we'd love to run our playgroup from here. So you can provide the, the the site, and then please contact our transition team, our early years team, and we can talk you through what you might need to do in that space. Model 2 is where schools join with the community um, and deliver the playgroup on the school site. So you're working in collaboration with a community group to do that one. So the other one that I think most schools will be really familiar with is is our school-delivered playgroup. So the school does it themselves. They might ask one of their teacher aides to facilitate it or a teacher. You provide the space, the materials, invite the families in through your playgroup. And what we can support you with is just navigating and talking about the insurance that goes with that, um, some sign-in, sign-out procedures as well, and things to think about. And our team can also help with ideas for playgroups, which is fantastic. There's some great ideas out there. Um, Through QUT, there's a supported playgroup document, which I think I included with the regional update. And Trudy, I might even um, send it out again with this podcast if that's okay. But we've had some phenomenal successes and great stories with playgroups. Um, and a great, what I love about playgroups, are uh, they're a fantastic way to build relationships with children and their families, getting to know them in that as they in that birth to five area. And it doesn't have to be a playgroup just before school. It can be from birth. and you've got those young families there, and it provides a great support for those young mums and dads. You can think about playgroups for grandparents. Um, There's lots of fun things that you can think about with your playgroups. So please tap into our Early Years team for those rich ideas and guidance about insurance um, venues and sites and resources. Yeah.
0: And as you were talking, I couldn't talking help but um, think about um, principals talking to me at the moment about their parent, um, parent and community engagement framework, and, mm. and wanting to do some work in that space, formalising some of the amazing um, relationships and engagement that has, you know, really developed in the last couple of months. And play groups are just um, a key piece. Where mm. schools can build that parent and community engagement in, you know, like you said, from birth, um, exactly through to mm. when that little person can walk through the school gate as a mm. as a prep student, or, or in the case of what we wanted to talk about next, actually um, a kindy student, a, a kindy yes. child in our state delivered
1: kindy. So that's um, right. Yeah, that's let's right. let's talk about that one. We will, and just a little note, just to backtrack onto playgroups again, Trudy, too, as well. Just in terms of the COVID nineteen climate at the moment, too, as well, it's been reading those school operating guidelines about when playgroups can resume, um, because, and it is up to principals' um, discretion, but do go to those operating guidelines for any of that advice, too, as well. Um, But yes, our state delivered kindy um, space is very exciting in Central Queensland. In central Queensland, we have the most um, state-delivered kindies. We have 30 of them um, in our region. And they've been going since 2016, when we started with six, and you can see how they've grown since then. So one of the, um, I suppose, requirements for a state-delivered kindy is that they must be 50 kilometres away from an approved kindy program. So a C and K, a Gary, because we've got to remember all of our kindergartens in that early childhood space, except state-delivered kindy, are businesses. So we don't want to be taking business away from them. But where there's market failure within our region, or approved kindy is too far away, you'll see our state-delivered kindies. So you'll find them out to Birdsville, down to Mount Perry. Um, so we have it's quite an interesting um, road trip when you get to all of them. But they are. Incredible spaces, and they are often in our smaller schools, and some of they are sometimes our, you know, K to ten schools as well. They're delivering the Queensland Kindergarten Learning Guidelines and the Australian Curriculum in that space. The kind little kindy children are in a composite setting, so you might walk into a state delivered kindy school and have kindy prep one two, or kindy to six. Um, and the teacher and teacher aide are working collaboratively together and our little kindy children in their bright orange t shirts, um thoroughly enjoying our kindy space there. And one of the um heartwarming stories that I've I've talking to Katrina, our senior advisor, is now that kindy is back at school, now they just ran through the gate and just couldn't wait to get back to, to their kindy school. Um, and I, the feelings were reciprocated from the, the principals and the teachers. So not only our preps and ones transitioned back in 11 and 12, but our kindies transitioned back to our state-delivered kindies. But our 30 schools in the region are doing an amazing job of this and they're delivering a kindy program where these children may not have accessed a face-to-face kindy program. And um, you know, hats off to them, they're doing a fantastic job. And the feedback we get from our principals, our teachers, is how it's really influenced um, their pedagogy, their way of thinking within the early years, and um, how it's transformed and, um, I suppose, transitioned into their prep year, their year one year, their year two year. So um, it is really fantastic space. But I just wanted to say and do a shout out to our Senior Advisor for State Delivered Kindies, Katrina Edgerton. She does an amazing job of supporting um, all of our 30 schools with the early years coaches. So at the moment, she can't get out to visit because of COVID. So she's Skyping with our principals every day. She's um, delivering online um, web sessions about the National Quality Standards and, you know, getting great responses there. So it's a a fantastic uh, program and um, one that is very dear to my heart since its inception. So um, it'll just continue to grow strength to strength our state-delivered kindies. Yeah, and I'd have yeah, I agree, have to agree, Linda,
0: it is um, heartwarming when you see the impact of that program mm, uh, mm. on the, the the kindy children and then as they become, you know, prep kids and we think they're so big <laughs> when they come back <laughs> yes. to us in prep and so yep. capable and there is so many, um, you know, good news stories around what there that is. program has in- created for kids, yeah.
1: It it really does, and Trudy, while you were talking about that, and I mentioned there's some K to tens, or but there's K to six, but the nurturing side that comes out with the older year sixes to to really nurture those kindy children. They're very um protective of them when I go to visit them in their schools, so it's wonderful to see. Yeah, now Linda, mm. you've
0: talked um, a, a bit about the different members of your team. But let's Mm. actually um, shift our focus now to the K2 space, so moving Mm. up in age, and what happens in this
1: space in our primary schools? Well, this is a really interesting space because then we look at a great start for all children, which absolutely is what the early is all about. And this is where we start to put our, our collaborative hat on, and this is every student succeeding as well. So one of the things I love about working in the central Queensland region is the collaboration that happens between early years and state schooling, HR, infrastructure, but it's really strong in the state schooling's part here. So we've got four early years coaches, Michelle Scoot Michelle in Gladstone, Natalie O'Kane in Emerald, Julie Wilson in Mackay, and Deanne Wilson, not related, in Rockhampton. Um, so they, they work really collaboratively Trudy, as you know, with ARDs and our schools, and really talking about their workers, about those strong connections, again, between kindergarten and into school really strengthening that quality teaching and learning around curriculum and pedagogy. So, and, Trudy, previously you talked about the inquiry guide with the, the, the decision-making tool. We've also got the K2 Alignment Hub, and that is a fantastic website full of resources and connections between kindy and school as well. And what that's that's where go-to place for our schools and our coaches. In that we've got lots of tools around age appropriate pedagogies, which has been fantastic, particularly in our state delivered kindies, but all our schools as well. It's about it's got information about transition statements and transition to school. So that hub is a wealth of information. I I can't speak highly enough for our schools to go to and reflect on, Um, use, contact their coaches through the ARDs. If you're wanting to unpack that more, particularly using the inquiry inquiry cycle to dig deep into what's working well into your school and where do you see your school wanting to go in that catered to space. So. lots of work happening around unpacking the Queensland Kindergarten Learning Guidelines as a prior-to-school curriculum, because one of the things that we reflect on with our schools is, in Year 1, we understand the foundation level of the Australian Curriculum. So when we're a PrEP teacher, it's important to understand what's the curriculum before PrEP. So you're thinking about that continuity and alignment of curriculum and pedagogy. What's happening within that kindy space that we can continue and align as into the foundation level of the Australian curriculum? How can we use those transition statements to really understand that curriculum even better and the children, and be ready for those children as they transition into school? So, as you can see, there's a lot of intersect between the transition team and the coaches, but also into the, the state schooling space. and. I really can't stress enough the incredible work those those four team members do in that space with their ARDs um, to really um, bring that to fruition in within your school. So reflect on what you're doing, what areas would you like to strengthen, talk with your ARD, bring those early years coaches in, and they are a fountain of knowledge, a fountain of, of coaching techniques to help your staff think about where to next in that early years space. So really important. So foodie will put that link in as well when we um, email the podcast.
0: We sure will. Um, they will be in the show notes and that is the great. email, like you said, um, Linda, that comes out with the podcast. So just mm-hmm. have a look in the email for uh, those links. Wow, Linda, that was amazing there's so much going on a um, lot yes mm. and you've given us some great um well links and resources of course but also um shared with us those members of your team that can support mm. our principals and our uh, staff in schools around this um really important work um that makes a difference you know the It is the A in the ACE, a great start Mm. for children and um, and your reference to the research around the importance of that zero to five and getting that right, so, Mm.
1: yeah. And Trudy, it's sometimes even the C in our ACE because it's our capable and responsive workforce, isn't it, as well, where we can use our regional team members to help build and strengthen that capability within the schooling workforce as well yep spot on linda mm. well
0: look thank you for talking through all of those strategies programs and initiatives for us in the early years linda i know you've listened to past episodes of the podcast so you would know that we finish up with the fast five questions that are sure so fast. do <laughs> so are you ready to uh, i'm ready right? <laughs> and so, and trudy I, I
1: just wanted to say before we get into that um I'm going to pinch your word that you said at the beginning after talking about the incredible work within the earlier space. I feel very energised at the end of this. So oh, thanks, Trudy. No problem.
0: So, Linda, let's go. When and where was your first teaching appointment?
1: Ah, now I've got the when. So I, but my first teaching appointment was at Grove State School, and I opened up a preschool. So the second unit of a preschool, and that was in 1985. So really showing my age now, Trudy. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. And what a what a great opportunity to open a preschool. That would have yeah. been amazing. It was great, and it, um, in my first year of teaching, so I was um. I'm uh, very honored to do so. So um and preschool um teaching and then later on I went into the primary school, but preschool was a great place to, to really start my teaching career. Yeah. Um Linda, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Oh, I think it is absolutely when I've been hearing those fantastic stories about um in this like, where our kindy children couldn't go to kindy, um, our students couldn't go to school, but how our schools and early childhood services use such innovative thinking to reach out to their, their students and their children, I just, that makes me smile every day, and how they went above and beyond. So I can't thank everyone enough, from the bottom of my heart, from that, and I would imagine families would be the same.
0: Yeah, it has been amazing to mm. watch, hasn't it, to be a mm. part of. Linda, what's your best book or film recommendation?
1: Well, it's interesting, Trudy. This is the one I'm reading at the moment. Actually, I've got onto, um, this might be something everyone's interested in in this period of time, Borrow Box from the Library. Um, and as you know, Trudy, we do lots of travel, so I do listen to lots of stories. Um, but the one I love at the moment is Becoming Michelle Obama. So, um, and that's the one I'm listening to at the moment. So, not only podcasts, but I recommend the borrow box from the library. Oh, that's a good recommendation. Mm. Thanks, Linda. Linda, and what's your
0: favourite? I love that. I love audio books. Uh, Linda, what's your
1: favourite quote? Uh, I think this quote, and I and please, I uh, correct me, anyway, I think it's a Bob Marley quote, and it is. Love the life, live the life you love, and love the life you live. Oh. So, and I actually have that on my wall at home. Yeah, so one of those sticker things. Yeah, <laughs> so. and say that
0: quickly a few times, and I'm sure you're going to get oh. tongue twisted, but I <laughs> no, love the thanks. sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, Linda, you I believe have lived in CQ for some time. So, as far as mm-hmm. things to see in CQ, what
1: do you think is our best kept secret? Well, I, I know a lot of people might know this one, and and this is the reason I love the role. I mean, now I get to travel all over this region, right out to Birdsville, and as I've driven out quite a few times now, is the shoe tree. Now it's probably not a hidden secret, but I do love the shoe tree, and it's on the in between Boya and Baduri. And um, on a road where there's not much, it really brings a smile to my face. So, and um, as you go past it or just before it, there's also um, a place people just put um, old microwaves and things like that too as well. So, I'm not sure the story behind that, but it's a really interesting road trip. Well,
0: and our uh, Baduri and Bulya principles, who are listening in, you've just put a smile on their face because yes. I'm sure they know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. And so, the rest of us now are adding notes for when we get to travel those parts. Absolutely, of our and that's state. a
1: shout-out a shout out to Leanne at the Dury and also Birdsville, hello, Gina. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Linda, thank you um,
0: again for all that information around the early years, but also for playing along with the Fast Five. And, Love it. Um, it's been great to do this episode with you. Now, um, last episode was actually with the lovely Fleur Watson, and Fleur did a uh, episode with me around the student new student discipline procedures. Fleur's session was really well received and and got some great feedback. So I just wanted to share that. So the first one was um, from Jeff Jepson. Jeff's right now Acting Principal at Rockhampton North Special School. And he said, just got a chance to listen to the podcast that you hosted with Fleur. I really enjoyed the podcast and the resources which were provided were exactly what I needed at this present time. Thanks for this initiative. So that one was from Jeff and then also Mel Daniels. Mel's a Deputy Principal and she is at Calliope State High. It was lovely to get this email from Mel. Mel said, Good afternoon, Trudy and Fleur. I'm sending this email to extend my sincere gratitude to you both for the way you packaged the discussion on the new student discipline procedures last week. I was able to catch up and listen to the discussion this morning on my way to work, and it was just what I needed as a deputy principal, getting my head around what we as a school need to do next and now in relation to, student management thank you for the clarity and conciseness for being direct with new information rather than rehashing things we knew and the accompanying show notes for easy reference I was already thinking before Trudy stated the same in the 21st minute this will be a podcast I will refer back to often and share with others she also said "Uh, the entire podcast has been a wonderful resource and support and I wish to extend my appreciation beyond episode 6 to the whole venture But this particular episode was a winner for me and she's uh, going to be signing in and leaving her review soon and people can leave a review on apple podcasts i think we're so grown up that we can do that Mm. um, out there in the big wide world so i thank you mel and jeff for those wonderful reviews and the feedback and look if you would like to uh, leave feedback or have suggestions for future episodes you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educator, Uh, leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations please help us by spreading the word and let them know about the podcast or forward the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes thanks for being with me Linda my pleasure truly Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.